Welcome to the Word of God. And we are now moving into the second half of the church calendar year. The second half. What's the first half? The first half is from Advent to Pentecost. Advent to Pentecost. And Advent begins at the end of November or the first week of December, depending on when Christmas Day is. And it would always include four Sundays prior to Christmas. And we call those Sundays Advent. Then Jesus is born on Christmas Day, and there's usually one or two weeks after Christmas where we celebrate Christmas Day, uh, the season of Christmas, followed by Epiphany. And we've said now that Epiphany is Jesus' is appearing. He's showing himself. And then we move into the very holy season of Lent, which has five Sundays. And that is followed by Holy Week, which begins with Palm Sunday and concludes with Resurrection Sunday, the resurrection of Christ. Following Easter Day, where we celebrate Christ's resurrection, we have seven weeks of Easter. Seven weeks of Easter. Why seven? Because Pentecost is on the 50th day, the day of Pentecost, which we celebrated recently. And Ascension is 40 days after his resurrection. So we have the death of Christ on Good Friday. We have his burial after his death. We have Holy Saturday where he's buried. We have Easter Sunday where he's risen. 40 days later, he ascends into heaven. 50 days later, the Holy Spirit comes, and we call that the day of Pentecost. Now, after the day of Pentecost, we have what's called the first Sunday after Pentecost, where we celebrate Trinity Sunday. And if you were with us last week, at the end of that uh, time together, we were celebrating Trinity Sunday, where we celebrate the Holy Trinity. Now, after that is the second Sunday after Pentecost, the third Sunday after Pentecost, the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, all the way to the last Sunday after Pentecost. And of course, you guessed it, what's after the last Sunday after Pentecost? A new church season, the first Sunday of Advent. So, we are in the second half, the first half from, let's say, December, January, February, March, April, May, about six months, and then about six months from June to November for the second half. All right? Now, the second half is very ordinary. Uh, the altar is green. The hangings are green. And we are in year B right now. And so we're celebrating the Gospel of Mark. And in our office lectionary, we are going to refer to these uh, podcasts by the Sunday after Pentecost, whichever it may be. And also, we're going to use the word proper. Okay? So we get this information from an Episcopal church calendar, all right? If you don't have one of these, it's a very helpful thing to have because it lists each day of the year and it lists the church calendar and the season and the altar hangings and the colors that we're supposed to be using. And it also lists what the titles are, okay? What the titles are for each of the Sundays so you know exactly where you are. Now, it gets tricky when you make the transition from Pentecost to the second half of the church season after Pentecost because 
you don't know exactly which proper you're into. Now, the way that you might know it without the calendar is that these propers are tied into the week of. So, this week, we are going to be looking at proper four, the week of the Sunday closest to June 1st. So, we are going to be looking at proper four. Okay. Now, in proper four, we are going to be studying, again, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Gospel. Now, remember, if you'd like to study and read the psalm, it's certainly there. The morning psalm, morning prayer psalm, is the first half, the left-hand side, above the Old Testament, New Testament, and Gospel reading. And on the right-hand side is the evening prayer psalm. So, you're certainly welcome to read the psalms. Um, and the uh, Psalter, of course, is repeated many, many times in the daily lectionary. Now, we're going to be looking in proper four this week at... Deuteronomy, that's going to be our Old Testament, which is the fifth book of the Old Testament. And we'll be looking at Deuteronomy 11, 12, 13, 16, 26, and 29. That will follow with 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Now, 2 Corinthians is not one of the books that most people know a whole lot about. It's not an easy book, actually. And so we'll be looking at 2 Corinthians 5, 11, through 2 Corinthians 9, 15. And now remember, we've been studying Luke for quite some time, and now we jump to Luke chapter 17, and we conclude the week with Luke 18, verse 30. So Jesus is on his journey. He's journeying throughout Luke. And so as you're reading Deuteronomy, Pentateuch, early writing, 2 Corinthians, written by Paul, to the Corinthians, remember we have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, long books, and then finally the Gospel of Luke. We have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we are in the middle of Luke study, okay? So is everybody ready to uh, do a overview of each of these chapters and books? Again, I encourage your daily reading of the daily lectionary. Get yourself in a rhythm, in a consistent rhythm of reading. Get yourself in a consistent rhythm of learning. Get your body, your mind, and your soul used to reading the text. And it may not make a whole lot of sense to you as you're reading it through, particularly if you've only read it for one or two or even three or four times. But you'll begin to pick things up as you go through it. And I hope that these podcasts are helpful for you in pointing out um, some things that might help you to uh, learn better. All right? Again, if you have a Bible that has study notes, that's really nice. They're usually at the bottom of the page, and you'll want to read those notes and get an idea of how the notes can supplement your reading. And oftentimes they mention things and they share things from a commentator's point of view that uh, will help you significantly. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Now, Deuteronomy, as we've said in previous podcasts, it's a very, very important book. The Israelites are on the east side of Israel. They are going to take the land by Joshua, the sixth book of the Bible, leading them in. Joshua is going to lead them in and not Moses. So Moses is, has received from God what the Jews need to know when they inhabit the land and the way that God wants them to live. Now, the reason I love Deuteronomy so much 
is it gives us a recipe for how God wants us to live. I'll show you what you mean, what I mean right off the bat. Therefore, chapter 11, verse 1. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. Now, right there, that's super advice for all of us. Keep his charge, keep his statutes, keep his rules, keep his commandments always. So what, the, what is written in Deuteronomy are the statutes and the charges and the rules and the commandments. That's why we're reading the Bible, so we'll know what they are. Now, what am I supposed to do with that information? You're supposed to do those things that God is asking you and me to do. It's not simply reading. We are spending our time reading so that we will know something to do. But it's all about us learning what it is God wants us to do, and by the grace of God, going out and doing it. And consider today, since I'm not speaking to your children who have not known or seen it, verse 2, consider the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm, his signs and his deeds that he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land. And so he just tells you the story, God does, of what he's able to do, of what he has done, of what he will do. We see that particularly in the prophets. What he is doing. So there's, a, there's always a past, present, and a future to what God is is about. This is what I've done. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm doing. And he tells the people, as you read through chapter 11, here's what I do. Here's what I want you to do. We go to, for example, go to verse 8. You shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I command you today, that you may be strong. Go in and possess the land that I'm giving you to possess. I'm giving you this land. I want you to go and possess it. Here's what I want you to do in order to possess it. It's very descriptive, and it's very prescriptive. God does not abandon us. He does not leave us on his own. He works with us. All right? Beautiful chapter, chapter 11. You will love that chapter very much. In chapter 12, the Lord's chosen place of worship. <clears throat> These are the statutes and the rules, verse 1, that you shall be careful to do in the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and the hills and under green tree. You shall tear that out. So now he's saying, okay, here's what I want you to do when you go into the land that you're going to possess that I'm going to give you that's my land that I've reserved for you. Here's what I want you to do. Now, so it's like two plus two is four. So I'm telling you what to do. I'm going to enable you to do it. What you need to keep in mind is do what I tell you. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Do what I tell you. You're going to be fine. Now, if you don't do what I tell you, we're going to have lots of problems. And he, get, he always speaks in that way, too. Verse 8, you shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. No, do not do what is right in your own eyes. Don't do what's right in your eye. Do what I tell you to do. If you do what I tell you to do, you will be fine. If you don't do what I tell you to do, we're going to suffer. And it's going to be major problems between me and you. Chapter 13, 1 through 11. 
Now, if a prophet, verse 1, or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign of, or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. The Lord your God is testing you to know whether you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. So if you hear a message from somebody that's different from mine, he says, you do not follow that. You do not follow that. You do not follow someone that wants to rebel against God. You do not follow someone that has a different point of view. You do not follow one that has a different agenda and that has different commandments. Do not do that. And so he shares that with us in Deuteronomy 13. Enjoy that reading. In Deuteronomy 16, we are looking at Passover. If you look at that chapter very quickly, you'll see that he's talking about Passover, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Booths, the seasons, uh, and uh, the festivals that he wants them to adhere to. In chapter 17, verses 14 to 20, the laws concerning Israel's king. And he tells you, when you get the land, here's what I want you to do about the king. So the nice thing about God in the early years of the Jewish nation is that God told him what to do. He told him in clear English. It wasn't complicated. And he reiterated it many times, oftentimes, and then he came to help the people to be able to do it. And that has not changed today. Let's jump to chapter 26, 1 through 11. 26, 1 through 11. Offering of first fruits and tithes. Now, you might have heard of the word tithe before if you go to church. When you come into the land, verse 1, that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground. Now remember, when one honors God and is generous toward God, one always thinks of it or should think of it as the first fruit as off the top, the best. Which you harvest from the land that God has given you, and you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. You shall go to the priest, verse 2, who is in office at the time, and say, I declare to you today, the Lord your God that I've come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hand, set it down before the altar of the Lord. Okay, so you are giving a gift to the Lord. The Lord has given you the land. The Lord has blessed your harvest or your product or your animals, your livelihood. You are to return to him in thanks for what he has given you. And that is very, very, very important. Okay? That's Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 11. Verse 10. And behold, now I bring the first fruit of the ground which you, O Lord, have given me, and you shall set it down before the Lord and worship before the Lord your God. So he tells you exactly what to do there. And if you go to chapter 29... The covenant is renewed in Moab. These are the words of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel. And he summoned them all, and he tells them again and renews the covenant he made with them. 
So the Lord has a covenant that he makes with us. He tells us what he's going to do. He goes out and does it. He is very faithful in doing that. We are to follow him and to do exactly what he says. Now, when we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians, which is after Romans, which is um, after 1 Corinthians, of course, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 11. Now, I would recommend that you read 2 Corinthians slowly because, as I said earlier, it is not an easy read. And you let those words sink into your mind and into your soul. The words that I want you to remember in 2 Corinthians in verse 17 of chapter 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry, ministry of reconciliation. Verse 21, for our sake he made him to be no sin who knew, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now we've moved from a fairly simple understanding of what God wants from us, in simple English, if you will, translated in simple English from Deuteronomy. Now this is a little bit more complicated the ministry of reconciliation. So you might need to do some work in terms of additional work to discern what these words mean to you. But again, what you're trying to do is get them in your soul because Paul is dealing with different issues here in 2 Corinthians 5, 6, 8, 7, 8, and 9. Okay? And if you will uh, read those verses carefully, I think you will get a tremendous amount out of them. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 7.10, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief brings death. And so, again, he talks about that. So, again, you might need to get a little bit of help to get the context of what he's saying in Corinthians. It's not nearly as clear as it is in Deuteronomy, but it's there for a reason. It's there for you and me to enjoy and to receive what God has for us through Paul's writings. He continues with the collection in 2 Corinthians 9, 1 to 15 on Saturday and talks about giving. I love 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must decide, must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, if everybody did that, we'd never talk about tithing. We'd never talk about giving. Everybody would just be extremely grateful to sow liberally and to bless God abundantly. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, verse 8, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So I want you to be blessed. I want you to be generous as a steward I want you to give your gifts generously. So you never know. Out, out there the, in 2 Corinthians 9, there's this fantastic scripture about giving. And I, again, I think you'll enjoy these scriptures just read plainly. But there's a beautiful example of Paul giving us an excellent um, dissertation, if you will, which is only a few verses, on the real meat and joy of giving generously. Now, we go back to Luke chapter 17, and we are, again, just following Jesus. We are looking at his teaching. We are looking at the miracles. 
We are looking at his actions. We are looking at how people interact with him. And if you begin with 17, 1 through 10, he has, um, he's teaching us. He's teaching us about forgiveness. And he's teaching us about faith. And he's teaching us about unworthy servants. And then he goes after that teaching and cleanses 10 lepers, the famous cleansing of the leper, and only one comes back and thanks him. Beautiful teaching there. And then afterwards, he teaches about the coming of the kingdom of God. The coming of the kingdom of God. So right there in the 17th chapter, you have teaching, teaching, miracle, teaching. And you read that slowly, and you let it penetrate your soul. And you look at the notes, and you pray about it. In chapter 18, we've got a parable, the parable of the persistent widow, which is a beautiful way to pray. You keep praying, keep praying, keep knocking. The Pharisee and the tax collector, a wonderful uh, parable about pride, which all of us have, and humility, which all of us need. It's easy to be proud, hard to be humble. We pray for humility, and he's got a beautiful parable. Uh, that's one of his better parables. I really enjoy that. Then he has the importance of children, how the children come to him. And then finally, the rich young ruler. I love the rich young ruler, very wealthy person. What does a wealthy person do with Jesus? I won't go through the story with you. I, I encourage you to enjoy it. What about wealth? What about money? What about people that have money? Where do they fit in the kingdom of God? Remember, I told you he talked about the kingdom in the second half of 17. How does, he, how does he deal with a person that's very wealthy? What does he tell them about their wealth and about their obligation to follow Jesus? It is a stunning thing to read. So I hope you enjoy your reading this coming week as we look into proper four. And we are um, enjoying uh, the uh, scriptures from Deuteronomy. 2 Corinthians and Luke. We'll see you next week.